This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You know what I want? Hello, welcome back to another season, although we haven't really started yet. We are nearly there and signified by the Raptors' win tonight against the 76ers. The preseason has begun. You are tuned in to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I am your Samson Folk. Thank you for joining me for another year. I hope I am satisfactory. And if I'm above satisfactory, uh, leave a review. Or any type of nice thing, be it my Twitter or uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Okay, that's like the first plug and only plug I'm going to give this year. So no worries. But 123 to 107, the Raptors defeat the Philadelphia 76ers who were missing Joel Embiid. Pretty big guy to be missing out on. Also missing Tobias Harris. And of course, of course, the sitting out, perhaps going to fake injury soon, $8.2 million in an escrow account, deductions possibly being made. Ben Simmons was also missing as well. So, And the Raptors, of course, also missing a a slew of players. Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher, who had surgery recently, the past couple days, I guess, and will maybe miss like a few weeks of the season. The same case for Pascal Siakam recovering from that torn labrum. Gary Trent Jr., prior to the game, Nick Nurse said, He could have gone if it wasn't a preseason game. And then Perry and uh, Cam Birch, who is just finishing up his health and safety protocols. And whatever that entails is his uh, medical business. So I guess we'll move on from that. But hell yeah, a super, super fun game. 123 to 107 again. And a funk fest all around. Big shout out to Henry Ward. This is something we talked about prior to the season was that the Raptors, if they are succeeding... They'll be doing it in a unique fashion and not a completely novel fashion. It's not like they haven't, teams haven't gone big in the NBA before. I mean, the Bucks in like 2015, around that, those years, the Orlando Magic in like 2018, 2019, around then too. But the Raptors have really bought into it. And that's why Fred Van Vliet kind of looked, he was an odd fit out there tonight. And when the Raptors were at their best in this sloppy preseason context, It was when they were super, super funky. They had a bunch of guys who are similarly sized, similarly long, getting out on the break, transition, steals, blocks, disruption. It was super, super fun. Very enjoyable. And for a team that has gone under so much construction in this offseason, a Hall of Famer, the greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry, departing to the Miami Heat, coming back, Precious Sichua and Goran Dragic, who both played tonight. The Raptors now only have one player over 30 years old. The past few years, they've had many. Very young guys like Delano Banton, guys like Scotty Barnes, guys like OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, Svi Mihailuk, Justin Champagne, 
Uh, Yuta Watanabe is a little bit older, but he was also fantastic tonight. Malachi Flynn, David Johnson, Isak Bonga, Ish Wainwright, Sam Decker, Freddie Gillespie. Like, just a slew of young, long guys. And not everybody is going to be on the team at the end of this, but everybody had close to a moment, if not several. And some of these guys, from Delano Banton, who was very, very funky. And that term is going to get thrown around a lot this year, particularly by me, because a guy who is so thin and like real thin out there on the court, but, you know, battled for a rebound and went coast to coast, took off from probably like three feet inside the free throw line, stretched out and hit a finger roll and one. That type of stuff at his size and his physical makeup is really unique in the NBA. His handle looked better. And like, hell yeah, because I think a lot of people were saying that he would be relegated to the G League this year. And that that seemed to be the consensus thought, whether it was coming from, you know, scouts, analysts, or just talking heads, whatever. Not that talking heads spend a ton of time on Delano Benton, but that's what I mean. He was really, really impressive in transition and attacking against advantage off the bounce. That's all you're looking for because, you know, Banton is going to develop in some sort of way. We we have to wait and see, but to see him already applying himself against NBA defenses, albeit a Sixers team that was very shorthanded in the preseason, whatever, right? You just want to see them succeed at the NBA level doing NBA things. And Banton delivered on that, especially early on. It kind of smoothed out later and he wasn't getting to as many advantageous spots, but hell yeah. And things were really, really bad early on. I shouldn't have started this off talking about Banton. Fine, whatever. We'll leave that in the past. So the Raptors, they start this game out, right? Things are extremely sloppy. They cannot score a bucket whatsoever because they are at... The the two ways they're trying to play are kind of divergent. There's the one way they want to play just in transition, just have a bunch of freaks attacking these off-ball actions or on-ball actions, mucking everything up and getting out and running. And then there was Fred Van Vliet trying to kind of establish an offensive floor, work through some actions, and handoffs were being flubbed up. Screens were being flubbed up. Nothing was working correctly, and they were getting absolutely sloshed around early on. Not to mention, they don't have a center out there. Like, Precious Achua approximates something close. Well, as close as you're going to get on the current roster from the Raptors to a center, but Andre Drummond ate everybody's lunch. He had like 17 and 12 in the first half with a couple assists, I believe, and just a few blocks. He was massive in there. He got to the line, He and he, man, he shot 88% from the line. Andre Drummond, kind of a funny little thing. But anyway, yeah, the Raptors got dominated because he was huge. But things started to improve rapidly when you see that the 76ers try to run a Chicago action. What happens? Scotty Barnes and OG switch their assignments. OG knows that Andre Drummond has a dead dribble. He attacks him, and Scotty Barnes hangs back to contest the pass. They get a turnover. Scotty's headed up in transition. Fred Van Vliet leaks out to above the break. He hits a three. That is exactly, that is the vision of what the Raptors want to do. They want to muck up the simplistic actions that provide the floor for every single NBA team. There are a handful of actions that go on in the NBA that every team does all the time. And the Raptors know that if they put three like-sized guys and that like-size is large and long and athletic, they can get super creative in how they defend all these different actions 
and they can cause a lot of turnovers and they can get out and run. And while they do all that, all those guys can work independently on their creation skills. And they're just waiting on one guy to hit. Now, caveat supply, of course. This is a preseason game. But that's super encouraging to see it play out 123 to 107 in a meaningful way with contributions from virtually everybody on the roster. Freddie Gillespie, Isak Banga, Sam Decker, they're not really standing out right now. And those guys, probably we're not going to see them on the team this year. But I'll get into the things that stood out in a positive way. So A, it's a positive and a negative because I basically all I want to see is OG Ananobi eat possessions. Good or bad, I just want to see the full potential of what he has currently. I don't want him taking his time and plugging in, which is what he did. Now, the good side of that, the silver lining, is that he kind of sleptwalk, sleepwalked, sleptwalked, probably sleepwalked. That's the way to say it, sure. He sleepwalked to 21 points on like 60% shooting. He didn't miss a three. He got to the line. He was like, when he wanted to get to a spot on the floor, was pretty capable of bullying his way there. He wasn't this fluid attacker off the dribble or anything like that. He was still staccato, syncopated, very offbeat. But he's going to be. He doesn't change his movement style. He just refines it somewhat and finds ways to win with it. And that's what I was seeing in this game was when he wanted to assert himself, he was able to. And it doesn't look like Jason Tatum or a a wing that we think of as just a superb creator off the dribble. And of course, OG doesn't have to be Tatum. But it's going to look different. But when he can sleepwalk to this efficiency and this, as far as points scored, volume, that's awesome. There wasn't much as far as like passing and playmaking and stuff like that. But when you can see that OG is very clearly just letting the other guys get their reps in and, you know, being like, okay, I'll grab a bucket here. I'll grab a bucket there. That's really nice to see. Although I would much prefer if he just went hog wild and just tried to get to as much stuff as possible. Secondly, Scotty Barnes. Now, I, admittedly, I'm, a, I'm somebody who liked Suggs more than Barnes coming out of the draft. That's who I wanted the Raptors to go after. Does that matter now? No, not at all. I just feel like you have to eat crow. Scotty Barnes looks really good. He really does. Fantastic defensively. Watching him work in a number of two-man actions on defense, switching, communicating, blowing up actions, super fun to see. I think he's going to be a plus on that end this year. Of course, there's going to be blow-bys. Of course, he's going to make mistakes. But I think he's going to be a plus, and he looks like he's going to be dynamic in court coverage. That's really fun. He looked super, super comfortable on the break. Like, very, very comfortable. I love that. I've been saying for many moons that I don't want Fred Van Vliet as the guy carrying the ball on the break. I want him running to above the break because he's a really good above, above the break shooter. He'll open lanes that way. And Scotty Barnes, as far as when you have the defense stretched out in transition, his height and his playmaking bent, that playmaking verve, he's going to make fantastic passes in the open floor. I That's fantastic. And he looks super comfortable. High dribble. Nobody's coming near him. He's got a bunch of different levels he can pass from. He sees guys, great vision. That is superb. I loved seeing that. He made quite a few good passes in the open floor. He passed 
Goran Dragic, who made you know a very clever 45 cut into the first bucket of the game, not in the open floor. He did it from a post-up that OG fed him into, but just an acknowledgement of his proprioception, how you know his feel of his body and space and the things around him. Very, very good. He showed an excellent feel as a playmaker. He got to the rim a couple times. Everybody knows what a dribble handoff is. Put him in dribble handoff scenarios. He's the keeper. Keeper players are going to get him a lot of dunks this year. He had one in this game. The guys, they overplay the dribble handoff. They're scared of the shooter or the, you know, the guy who's going to come over top. They're scared of his gravity. Scotty just turned the corner. He's long as hell. If he has downhill momentum, he'll probably be able to dunk. That was the case in this one. And that's probably going to be the case many, many times this year. Okay. Thirdly, Precious Chua, quite a few standout defensive plays particularly in the pick and roll. He broke up a couple lobs and did it with really good footwork and his hips, the ways he opened them, really good. I saw him deny some passing lanes. His rotations were pretty crisp. Huge fan, especially since the Raptors are searching for more from that position. Pascal Siakam is out. Chris Boucher is out. Their front court is going to be a wild, you know, hodgepodge of things this year. So... If Precious Chua is going to bring it defensively, smash that like button, dude. That, that's awesome. Not to mention, he it was like a pound dribble backwards, not a true step back. But he used a dribble and took a step back to hit a three. He took a drag screen in transition and kind of, you know, walked into a mid-range jumper. He hit both of those. If Precious Chua, who basically... He last year shot about 50% from the free throw line, has very little indicators of any shooting touch anywhere in his game. If he's going to be somebody who makes shots, even if it's just like a 16-footer, that adds a lot to his game very quickly, especially as far as his utility offensively. Because I think he will be very close to, if not definitely a plus defensively this year. I think I think he can really make it work on that end. But my goodness, the willingness to get out in the floor and run, we all knew that was going to be the case with Precious. He, that's one of his calling cards in Miami. Miami didn't play him that much. He didn't have a ton of opportunities in year one, but he did flash a bunch of defensive potential and athletic potential in preseason then and in some, what would the term be, flashes, I guess, right? And so that was fun. That's something to keep an eye on as the preseason works forward and as Birch is kind of ushered back in and we see how they play that front court situation. But the early returns of Precious, uh, pretty damn good. Very, very happy with that. And my apologies, sort of, if you wanted like a story of the game. I, I know I do that during the regular season. And especially when the Raptors are a winning team, it's easier to tell a narrative game to game and kind of tie it in that way. I'm still going to be doing that in the regular season, but... Uh, preseason games are really disjointed, really truncated, especially just like you have these huge swaps of lineups. The The tone of the game changes really quickly. And yeah, everything is like a hodgepodge, right? So I'm more concerned with letting you know how certain players played, especially with the Raptors who, you know, some people believe they're going to punch up at a playoff spot. Some people I know think they're going to be like top four, top five. That's fine. Optimism is good. But also people think they won't be that good this year. And when teams aren't that good, you're more focused on development. And 
and improvements that range from major to minute. So I just want to let everybody know how the the standout young guys are doing and what to pay attention to with their game or how they did. And so, yeah, I just wanted to hit all that. Fred Van Vliet, Goran Dragic, I don't think you need to say that much. Both of them are established currently just below, and Goran Dragic farther below, but below all-star guards. And if you want to say that Fred Van Vliet is a deserving all-star guard, I have no problem with that. He he absolutely could sneak in uh, or or just completely get in if his pull-up shooting really hits as much as it might be able to in the future. And some of that playmaking comes around a little bit too. He's such a positive, fantastic player. And Goran Dragic is also a positive, great player. So I'm not so much worried about how they played in this one. They were both taking it pretty, pretty easy. Okay, two guys that I was so, so excited to watch in this one because I really wanted to see how they apply themselves. Svi Mihailuk has been a guy who has really kind of bounced around and hasn't been able to find a spot, but has shown, I think, a great feel, uh, a much higher feel than his box score stats would indicate as far as a passer and a mover, and to some degree, a dribbler. That was on display in this game. He was fantastic working off the catch, putting the ball on the ground, passing out when the defense collapsed, and just being a shooter, like a pull-up in, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Assad, I think it's Swar Lasers on Twitter, but Assad, uh, he was calling him Svit Caroline after a three, which that's a hell of a pun, dude. Well done. That's very good. But yeah, Svi was awesome. Defensively, I didn't see much. I mean, he was engaged in a preseason game, but nothing stood out really. Like when he's involved in an action, I don't notice him as particularly disruptive. But offensively, I think he made life hell for the 76ers. He made good on almost every advantage, whether it was by passing or passing out to an open shooter or to a guy cutting in or getting to his own shot. I thought he was really, really good. Such a heady player. And oh my goodness, listener, Utah Watanabe. I have been just rooting for this guy. My fellow lefty, a, a member of Ned Flanders, Leftorium, or the... Uh, the playlist on Evan Gualberto's fantastic YouTube channel, The Leftorium. Lefties, we have to stick together. There's not that many of us. But Yuto Watanabe had discussed that, not discussed, but had discussed something. Those words sound so similar. The English language is a farce, always has been, always will be. He has talked about how the Olympics kind of moved around his brain and how he saw him as a bat himself as a basketball player regarding assertiveness. And that's something I talked about last year was that Yuta Watanabe seems to clearly have the skills to elevate his offensive game to another level because defensively, he's a dynamo already. He's awesome. But offensively, a guy who shot 40% from three isn't a you know very creative or dynamic dribbler, but is a guy who can dribble from point A to point B on the court and a guy who clearly has such a keen sniffer for open space on the floor, flashing into it, cutting into it, or dribbling into it, that it seemed like he could be a bit more aggressive offensively. Well, geez, he did it in this game. He was aggressive and flashed playmaking chops, like just a fantastic couple of passes, and was ready to pull from three, drove straight to the bucket, had a dunk, had a couple threes, looked really, really great. And of course, you can't immediately go to, well, he played in the Olympics as the top dog, so he has a better understanding of his skills. 
No, he, he worked really hard to apply himself. He definitely watched what he did last year during the season. Saw, oh, I could have shot more threes here. Oh, that closeout, I could have attacked off the bounce. And instead of passing, I could have gathered and tried to go to the rim with a little pop shot or maybe get all the way there with the layup. That kind of stuff. In this game, the, the seeds of that improvement appear to be there and growing. That's something I want to see in the upcoming season. It's something I'm very excited for. And if he can translate this type of play style to the regular season, the Raptors, once Pascal and Boucher are back, they're going to have quite a decision on their hands because Yuta Watanabe appears to be punching up at, you know, a role that the Raptors might not have on the team. Like it might not be available to them because they have guys they want to play and Yuta isn't as young. That's what I'm wondering about. And does he end up, if he doesn't have a spot, does a team snatch him out of the Raptors organization and he ends up playing meaningful playoff minutes for a contender or something like that? He looks good. So good for him. He's worked so hard to break into the league. He's been in the G League. For, well, he was in the G League for years. He worked. It's just to see a guy delivering on his own game. Super, super fun. Okay, so, and Justin Champagne is, man, what a game for him. Just stuffed the stat sheet. Right place, right time. Repeatedly. Sometimes that happens for guys and it's not repeatable. I haven't seen enough Champagne to say this is something he'll always be doing the right spot like he's not even a big but he ends up in the dunker spot at the right time to get like a layup he was collecting rebounds the long ones the short ones whatever he was in the right spot and he hit from downtown a couple times so Justin Champagne hell yeah for you I'll keep a tighter eye on him going forward because there's not that much tape I'm not a draft guy I didn't watch endless amounts of Champagne tape so but anyway just Great game for him. Well done. I've I've got my eye on you, pal. Best of the rest. So Malachi Flynn was actually like he he didn't play in the first half, which whatever. I mean, that's kind of funky. That's it, I have no idea what's going on with Malachi Flynn. Why a guy who so very clearly should be getting reps in with the likes of Yuta Watanabe and guys like Van Vliet or Ananobi, Barnes, Precious, all these guys he should be getting reps with. Uh, I don't know how highly the Raptors rate the regular, the preseason, but I, that struck me as a little bit odd, which is fine. But Malachi Flynn, pretty underwhelming. Couldn't create much off of the dribble, even in the pick and roll. A lot of the passing lanes were denied to him, and he was resetting a lot. It just was an ineffective game. I, I still like Malachi Flynn a lot, but there's there's not much to talk about in this game. David Johnson had a bucket, was out there for Raptors fans to see. It's a bit of a meme at this point because, you know, there was so much press for Scotty Barnes and Lionel Ben. They were doing like, you know, preview videos and like hype videos and all that kind of stuff. And David Johnson was just not in Canada. He was just, he was somewhere else. And so he sent a video finally being like, yeah, you know, the Raptors drafted me. And so, and he didn't pop off the same way or as early in this game as Delano or Scotty. So, the forgotten rookie once again, and only playing like eight, nine minutes, being pretty quiet on the court. That's okay. He'll probably get a bit more of a shot towards the end of the preseason and will get a better sense there, but a pretty quiet game. Isak Banga made a fantastic cross-court pass. He was in a post-up because they were guarding him with, I can't remember if it was like Grant Riller, a really small player, and he flashed this cross-court pass against a defense that was 
you know, rotating towards him. It, it was a fantastic pass. He looked big on defense. That's his calling card, of course, defensively. But a guy who played only six minutes, Freddie Gillespie looked not good. Really, really tough outing for him. A, a similar story to Summer League. And it's looking like he is not going to be a guy that ends up on the roster. Ish Wainwright, Sam Decker both played two and a half minutes. Nothing to say. There will be stuff to say if they get a longer run, but I, I'm not going to give you analysis or glean anything from two and a half minutes of playing time at the very end of the game. That is a completely, completely fruitless endeavor. The, the big takeaways as far as the flow of this game, I think the Raptors were far more comfortable playing that insane, funky, chaotic style. Like I, They were losing by a bunch, and then suddenly Mihailuk, Champagne, Watanabe, Scotty Barnes, Banton, those types of guys are playing, and they had racked up like a plus 26. I think Utah was, Utah was a plus 26. They just went on this incredible run of form where they were like above the break actions, actions towards the sideline, anything coming middle. They were locking down and disrupting everything that the 76ers did. And then once both teams kind of, you know, settled into the game, the Raptors players, the young ones were so comfortable getting out running, forcing turnovers that they put themselves in a really, really good spot and just ran it up. The the 76ers actually ended up forcing more turnovers in this game. They had four more opportunities to score off turnovers than the Raptors, but the Raptors ended up scoring 27 points off turnovers to the 76ers 23. And that's because the guys were very well equipped to get out and run. They were flashing their talents, their skill sets. It it fit really well. It's something that the Raptors, it's been part of their calling card for three years now. That's a huge part of their offense. They have to get out and run. And because a lot of their guys don't create very well from a standstill, that's what they do. And in this game, they were able to do it. You add that pressure. It's just, yeah, very fun to see. I liked it a lot. And that's basically the story of the game, I think. Uh, I talked about every player. I hope you enjoyed listening. It's uh, It's been a treat to get back in the proverbial booth and kind of wax poetic about the Raptors and the players, how they did. And this was a fun game to start things out. It looked really hairy at the start because, my goodness, it was pretty, pretty. The, the offensive process was sticky and like fear of floor sticky. But they shook loose. They made it happen. And they won a fun game, a really, really fun game. This is an entertainment product. Everybody wants to win, but playing a fun brand of basketball is super, super rewarding for fans. Not to, And also, by the way, there was hardly anyone in the arena. So Raptors organization, please don't charge so much for tickets. 200 bucks to a preseason game is madness. I get there's a lot of wealth in Toronto, and increasingly it's just going towards one demographic, but... Do you just want that demographic? Do you just want people who work on Bay Street going to Raptors games? Or do you want actual fans who have cheered and like the everyday working class fan to be able to go to a game? You can't charge so much. You're alienating your fan base from being able to attend Raptors games. It's too much money. And this has been something that has been popping off for some time now. So I really dislike that. I do not like that at all. I hope that we see some sort of I hope that is curbed somewhat in the coming years, games, whatever. I hope they see what they're doing. Well, they know what they're doing. I just hope that they see 
that they shouldn't be able to get away with it. That a team that talks about their fans all the time, and when we think of LeBron James saying, wow, these are great fans, you've you're already moved so far from that situation because you're charging so much money. Kids, families, people should be able to go to a preseason game. Like, that's the thing too, right? I know a lot of people who couldn't afford to go to regular season games so it's, as kids especially, so their family took them to a preseason game because while it's not as high stakes, you still get to see the players and all that kind of stuff. But if you're charging $200 at a preseason game, you start to make it so that those people don't even get those memories. I got beef, man. I think that's super disappointing. I hope that we see an improvement in that area. But probably not. Anyway, if you listen to this, thank you very much. I, I hope you enjoyed it. It is, you know... A paid labor, but also a labor of love. I, I'm so happy to talk to you, ladies, gents, those who identify as other, whatever, whatever you're doing. I'm glad you enjoy the Raptors, and I'm I'm very glad you enjoy listening to me talk about them. Thank you for the support. I look forward to it throughout the season. But whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>